Welcome back to another episode of Pod People's Podcast for people who make podcasts. I'm your host and the head of community at Pod People, Tyler Green. And this week, we've got another how-to episode for you. This one is all about story editing and how story impacts your audio work. And who better to cover that with Matt Sav, our head of production, than Courtney Kosak, an L.A.-based writer, podcaster, and comedian. She's the executive producer and creator of Private Parts Unknown, which is a comedy sex travel podcast uncovering stories of love and sexuality around the world. And she's the executive producer of The Bellas Podcast with the WWE superstars, The Bella Twins. In today's episode, Matt and Courtney use those shows as examples to cover everything from episode structure and interview prep to story editing and scripting. We're going to jump into the conversation with Matt asking about how to best structure an episode. Story is the subject of the day and specifically shaping a great story for your episode. And for me, that really starts all the way at the development of the project and making sure going in that you have a really good structure for your episodes. So I'd actually love to know when you were developing Private Parts Unknown, did you go in with a set structure in mind or did it kind of develop as you went along? So it does really change. When we went to Helsinki, we did a very kind of like NPR style narrative nonfiction. And mm. some of them are more interview based. Mm. It totally varies how many voices are involved. Right. So, yeah, usually the structure is a little bit more set in a project. Having a set structure is going to save you a lot of time. Yeah, well, I'm interested on a show like that then where you get the opportunity to play around with structure. Do you still find yourself going into a particular episode with the sense of the structure? Or are you kind of having the fun of discovering it as you grab the material and go? I would say our travel episodes, they're usually like multi-part series, are the most inventive in that way because we are going on a journey. And so it is like totally open, which I feel like is the best way to start that experience. So I don't necessarily know, like we don't always talk to exactly the same people we thought we were going to talk to, Yeah, but we definitely get a sense of it. I think as we're living it and by the end, we're kind of like, Hey, do you think it's like this kind of, and usually that sort of stays at least to a certain extent. I think what's interesting about this is it brings up the difference, what we call at Pod People, we would define as a docu-style podcast, where you're going in and just grabbing all the material you can, finding the assets, and then you're going to shape the story in post, versus a more chat-style show, where you can kind of just record it and shape it in post, but there's sometimes it helps to have a little bit of an idea of the invisible structure you're going to create around that chat. Yeah. So I actually am interested then on your other pod, the Bellas podcast, that one is a chat style show. So they're just turning on the mic and going and turning off the mic. But it does seem like there's some sort of invisible structure that's happening or at least segmenting in that show. So can you tell me more about how you approach that one structurally? Yeah, that's an interesting case too. So we also play on the Bellas podcast. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But it does definitely have like a revolving set of like, we're always going to do a cold open that's going to like kick us into the episode. We're always going to do 
what we call opening up part one, which is basically just like a little preview of what is to come. And then in almost every episode, they're going to open up, even if that is like a short, which is typically just between them, but sometimes it sort of melds into an interview also. Mm -hmm. And then we have a few other segments, but it is very rotating, which I feel like is the most reflective of their lives. Like I'm never trying to force anything on them. Like I love that it stays fresh and like we just kind of Of course, there's like, okay, it's going to be a Mother's Day episode or, you know, there are cases like that. But for the ones that could be anything, we just sort of let it take its own shape. Yeah, I love that. And there is, I think, a freshness when you have, you know, there's certain set segments that the listeners can have a familiarity with and get to experience every episode. But then keeping it fresh with some rotating segments, I think, is really smart. I love to hear that playfulness with your approach to structure in terms of then when you get to planning for particular episodes, what would you say is your approach then to identifying the best episodes for your shows in terms of topics? In terms of topics. Yeah. Okay. So with private parts unknown, I think we try, cause like sex positive, you know, that's a huge spectrum. So I think we sort of like when it's a question of should we do this or not, we sort of revisit our mission of like, okay, is this destigmatizing sex in some way or shedding an interesting light on something that people would have felt shameful about before? Or, you know, like, are we sticking to our core principles with this? But things that do fall into that category also span a huge spectrum. Mm-hmm. So we still have a lot of leeway to talk about, you know, all the different pillars of our show. There's still so much we can do, but I think, yeah, our guiding principle is like, is this our mission? Is this what we're trying to say with the show? And then with like the Bella's podcast, it's like, they're a brand and they are too like real human people. And so like we, the humanness is really important in like showing the parts of themselves that are so relatable to other people and are authentic to themselves. And then like, you know, they had a huge career in the WWE, like people in that universe are still a part of their story and anybody related to their businesses other people in reality TV. It's like, what else fits in that universe? And then sometimes you have to challenge yourself and ask like, okay, where are our blind spots? You know, especially like this has been such a important and big year for social justice kind of things. And it's like, okay, are we talking about this? Because we should be talking about this. Right. And so it's making that a priority too. That's awesome. So you've, at this point, you know, you developed a great structure for your show. You have identified for an upcoming episode a great topic, potentially some great guests. Now you need to record great material. So I'm interested on the interview side, when you're grabbing an interview for Private Parts Unknown, what is your approach to making sure that it's a really quality interview? I would say definitely as an early interviewer, over-prepare and make your list of interview questions. And I think the thing that 
I didn't realize at least when I started or like the simplest questions are the best. (laughs) Once you're in it, you have to let go and you just have to be present and be curious. And that I think is like the best way to interview. And usually you're getting them to tell a story. Right. So, and then what happened? Can you still taste your grandma's pie? Uh, Yes, yes. You know, what did that feel like when she said that? And going in with like at least a solid list. Oh, and the best interview question of all time is anything else. You must ask that at the end of every interview because that is where all the gems come from. (laughs) Just you're saying anything else? That question allows for the unexpected, I feel like, in a really beautiful way. And it's shocking how often you use that. How about on... Bella's, where you are not doing the interviews yourself. As a producer, you're working with two people, and in their case, they're having a conversation. How do you set them up for success? So I think still doing the same kind of research beforehand on behalf of the hosts. And sometimes the hosts will have time to do their, you know, they'll be curious and do their own poking around too, which will add to the interview. But that's not always the case and like people are busy and so it's making sure that like that's covered, that there are a bunch of different angles for the host to have like a point of entry with someone because you're not in control of the interview so you want to give them a lot of options and then sometimes you have to get pickups, you know, like if there is something that's like, oh, this would be the perfect way to wrap this up or the ending wasn't quite right or there was something that's in the news that it's like, oh, we definitely need to talk about that, you might Mm -hmm. get a pickup. And then in terms of making sure there's an arc to the conversation, do you give them set topics and questions within that? Do you have any kind of prep doc or as the show develops, they kind of are doing that story shaping themselves more naturally? Yeah. Prep docs are ideal. A lot of times we're working on like tight turnarounds with guest bookings. So that's not always, sometimes it's like, here are a few links. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, yeah, I think it's trying to put the questions at the top that I think are like the best jumping off point, setting it up in the way that with the flow that I am kind of envisioning helps even though the host might have another idea and jump around and that a lot of times turns out lovely as well, you know? Sure, sure. It's what's in your control, what's out of your control. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Knowing the difference. So now that you've grabbed your material, I think this is one of the most fun and interesting parts of the process as a producer is in post shaping the material into the final episode. When it comes to, let's say, an interview episode, you have this great interview. How do you then approach taking the tape and turning it into the final product from a story perspective? Well, my first step logistically is I trim the tape. A lot of people are using Descript now, but at least as far as I know, it doesn't track the changes in the way that I want. I want a little more old school yeah. Yeah. <laughs> version of it because it, me having the map and creating the map is like, very important for talking to the editor and like mm-hmm. making sure the notes are executed the way that I want them to be. And it saves me a lot of time knowing where I made certain edits instead of being like, 
<laughs> it's a free for all. We'll figure it out later. You tell me if that's a cut <laughs> or not, you know? Yeah. So yeah, Trint is definitely like my first step. And just to clarify, for those who don't know, Trint and Descript are essentially transcription tools. So that's taking the audio and turning mm-hmm. it into the written word so that you can play around with it on paper. Yeah. So it's like AI transcription. It is a rough transcription and you can simulate cuts. In Descript, you're actually like making the cuts. Um, Yeah, it cuts the audio and the transcript and moves stuff around in tandem, which is pretty powerful, you know, versus a lot of the traditional process would be you'd get it on paper, you'd make all the markings on paper, and then use that to sort of translate to your editor or also sometimes the client before you move into audio editing, what the vision is in terms of the content cuts and any sort of additional VO you might be adding in or sound effects. So having it on paper is a really great way to align before you move into Mm -hmm. audio editing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I do most of the post-scripting that I do in Google Docs just because everyone uses that. (laughs) And yeah, like you said, you're basically like, making a script, but you're using the audio that you already have and the time codes that you already have. And yeah, I think I'm just like thinking about the listener experience for one and having some sort of a narrative arc, adding in any sound effects. I do think when you're working on something client facing, it helps to be able to like have the map that you can be like, this is what we're doing. The team is aligned. It it just helps the the team be aligned. For sure. And so when you're shaping the interview at this stage, do you find that you get quite specific on how you're stitching stuff together? Do you like, do you go down to the sentence? Are you really thinking more kind of paragraph to paragraph? What's your approach there? Yeah. So usually I do it all in one fell swoop. I don't do like a grander pass and then a fine tuning pass. I'm like cutting as I go. I'm saying, take out this, um, (laughs) I'm saying, take out this, like, I'm very specific on the first pass. Sometimes you have to get around your own mental blocks with work. I I can't even explain it. In life, (laughs) in everything. everything. But like, if I find myself in any resistance, I'll be like, you're just going to listen. And I don't have to do the nitty gritty that I would normally do like from the jump. Yeah. Which tricks me into getting started. (laughs) (laughs) But ideally I'm like going, and I'm very good at doing both levels of editing at the same time. And maybe if you're not there yet, you would do like a bigger content pass and then you would do like a fine tuning pass. Right. And then in terms of what about if you need to do a jump cut, as in you're editing down the interview and you realize this entire stretch would actually serve the story better earlier on. How do you indicate that if you're working with an editor in your script? There are stand industry standards to a certain extent, but also not. It's kind of yeah. like the Wild West. It's like, totally. yeah, we all use SFX or, you know, whatever, but there's also people are doing whatever they want. So I strike through everything on the script, and I also make great use of the comment feature to indicate things that have shifted, and I typically color code. And if there's anything that's 
too tricky, I'll like double call attention to it in the email. But usually that works. Yeah, I know sometimes when I'm indicating jump cuts, I'll actually write in jump cut and then take the time code and then add that stretch oh, yeah. in and then jump cut. And the jump cuts I'll mark in the script in huge letters, size 16. So it's really clear to the editor that this stretch is coming from these time codes. I don't know if oh, you do yeah, that as yeah, well. Yeah, like what you're saying with jump codes, for sure. I write jump and then it's in highlighted in green. That's my thing. Nice. But nice. I usually use that on like the first pass. And then if I'm editing anything with like on a V2, I will try to make my cuts in addition to strike through, I'll make them red so that you can kind of see anything that's not red is like live script. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm so grateful that we had you of all people on this episode because it's just so apparent that you have played with so many different formats and structures and have really done it all. So thank you for your time. You know what I'm going to end on. (laughs) Is there anything else? Is there anything else? Um, (laughs) I, (laughs) I would just say taking that, those 10 minutes before whatever you're going to do, whether you're a guest or an interviewer or whatever, to just like meditate on what you're about to do and then let it all go and try to be as present as you can. That's like the key to everything for me. And so I'll send you off with that. Well, thank you again for being on and sharing your wisdom. Thank you for having me. From story prepping for an interview to post-production scripting, this interview covered the whole shebang of the story-making process, and I am now obsessed with Courtney Kosak. Thank you so much, Matt Sab, for asking just the right questions to get to the story, and thank you, Courtney, for revealing your process to us. So useful. On next week's episode of Pod People's Podcast for People Who Make Podcasts, we spotlight not just any community member, but a community member who is so darn awesome that we hired her ourselves as a matchmaker and a producer at Pod People. Not to mention, she is a kick-ass self-starter and producer of her own show, Broke Girl Therapy. I actually had a dream about it, but I just kept hearing, like, therapy, too broke for therapy. And so I just started writing everything down, and then Broke Girl Therapy just kind of came from that. The Pod People team is Rachel King, and Fuse, Matt Sab, Andrea Perez, me, Tyler Green, Danielle Roth, Sammy Reed, Isabel Genius, Ashton Carter, Stephanie Bashara, Alexa Brooks Major, Devin Wilson, Priscilla Berlin, Madison Lusby, Brian Rivers, and Erica Wong. This podcast is edited by Katie Clarkson and mixed and engineered by Erica Wong. Find us on all the socials if you would be so kind. Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell us? You can do that at hello at podpeople.com. Be sure to check out the show notes, which has all kinds of links for you, including a link to take our intake survey. If you haven't joined the Pod People community yet, that's the link in there. And if you don't want to go to the show notes, visit podpeople.com slash audio dash pros. I am now going to go listen to everything Courtney's ever written or produced. Bye-bye. Just the question, just at the end of this, if you're like, is there anything else that I should know about this or that I haven't asked you yet? Well, I'll definitely be trying that out at the end of this interview. Yes. Oh, my God. For sure. (laughs) 